My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to episode 257 of Legally Clueless. Thank you so much for rocking with the podcast, OG members, and we have really grown. I appreciate your love and I appreciate you being part of this family. If you're new to this podcast, audio episodes like this got every single Monday and you can watch our video series and our tour series on our website that's legallycluelessafrica.com and while you're there you can sign up to officially join the family but away from all of that technical stuff welcome to the fam what's really dope is we're about to kick off our east africa tour ah, i'm so excited i'm so excited i really can't wait for that i will be announcing the countries we're coming to soon in case any of you are in those countries we can link up. I mean, why not? It would be really dope to meet those of you who are not in Kenya, but are in the greater East Africa region. Away from that, this is the birthday episode that I kind of sort of forgot to share with you. Okay, no, I'm lying. I didn't. We needed to talk about money first. The birthday could wait. <laughs> money is more important right but it was my birthday on the 5th of february i turned 35 and i have had such a beautiful birthday week to be very honest it's been amazing i wanted to be able to in this birthday episode which is also a tradition we do here at legally clueless i want to share with you about four things that i feel like i've actualized or gained some insights around now that I'm 35, but I was super clueless about in my previous years. And the four things are journeying back to myself, love, friendship, and aging. So from a young age, as much as I was pretty comfortable in like the weird things that I liked, right? I was a teenager who liked poetry. <laughs> and if we go even further back, I mean, poetry is not cool for teenagers. It's cool for adults. It's deep as fuck. But as a teenager, it's not seen as something cool. People are busy listening to like the latest songs, hooking up at the mall, watching movies. And I want to sit at home and write poetry about this awesome tree I saw. <laughs> So I, I wasn't cool, but even taking it further back than that, I think when I was younger, I was always lost in my mind. Even at home, the games that I liked to play were imaginary games. So I'd look at like our front lawn and be like, oh, it's a swimming pool. And I would imagine a game where there's a swimming instructor and a swimmer. I remember our pile of firewood I used to climb it a lot and it would feel like I was on this adventure. My imagination has always been pretty healthy. <laughs> and before you guys think I had a very privileged childhood, I mean, we did have everything I needed. We grew up in like a two-bedroomed cottage. So my sisters and I shared one room and my mom and dad shared another. But I wouldn't say I was lacking. I just need to put that caveat because... Is this assumption that I grew up rolling in money. <laughs> I wish. But back to my younger years into teenagehood, I always felt less than when I stepped out into the world. I was always comparing myself to others. And so I would end up feeling very inadequate. I felt like my physical body didn't look like what I thought was attractive. My teeth, 
I have a very unique style about them. <laughs> my eczema scars. In fact, right now I'm going through an eczema flare-up and I have scars on some of my fingers and wrists. It's just oh so irritating. But obviously I'm grown now, so I'm not as self-conscious as back then. Even back in the day, if you know I said I was like comparing myself to other people, looking at my sisters, so I'm the last born of three one was head girl and a top student excelled in sports like badass swimmer like she broke records all the time i think what was happening back then was i was comparing myself to her so i wasn't like the strongest student but i wasn't the weakest like i just got by <laughs> i was never in trouble for failing but never celebrated for succeeding because I was not top of the class. I wasn't terrible at swimming. I got certificates here and medals there, but I definitely wasn't as good as my sister. And then the other sister I felt was super popular and super cool. And if we go back to like my poetry <laughs> and my imagination, <laughs> definitely not the recipe for the cool kid. I, I was not. It was a terrible mindset I had of comparing myself to not only just like at home, my sisters, but like friends, etc. or others. It was a horrible mindset. But I think because of that mindset and sometimes actual experiences, the only place I felt affirmed was when I was with my late mom. And so losing her really did a number on me. I was in a relationship and I've jumped from the imaginative child and my teenagehood into like my early 20s. My mom died when I was 23. At that time, I was in a relationship and we were kind of like in a rocky place. So after mommy died, soon after mommy died, we broke up. And I think I was single for all of, what, one month? <laughs> and I got into a relationship with another guy who happened to be a friend of the time. And in hindsight, I had no business being in that relationship. We didn't have shared values at all. He had kids. And it's not a bad thing for somebody to have kids and me as someone who doesn't have kids to date or be with somebody who has kids. But I think at that time, I needed to be grieving both my mom and my previous relationship, which means the energy I was operating at wasn't enough for an intimate partner, let alone three children. So before I knew it, we were engaged <laughs> and things moved very fast. And then everything started to go downhill from there. I really didn't stop to figure out what I wanted in my early 20s to my mid 20s, which was like around this time. I didn't stop to figure out who I am and to let myself just feel the emotions, feel the emotions of losing my mom, feel the emotions of this relationship with a guy who I absolutely loved ending. You know, I didn't stop to let myself feel the emotions. I didn't stop to ask, what am I looking for in a partner? You know, what values should they have? And not just a partner, even friends and the people around me. And even me, me, what are my values and what are my worldviews? I didn't, I didn't stop in my 20s to do that. And so that relationship ended. <laughs> Some years passed and I was still not trying to figure out who am I really, especially after the disruption that is grief, you know? I still kind of felt inadequate, not pretty enough, not good enough. Then I got married. And my ex-husband is a good human whom 
I loved and I still have love for. But in hindsight, I can see that I made the decision to get married from fear and kind of like seeking validation because I hadn't answered that series of questions. Who am I? What do I want for myself? What are my values? What are my worldviews? What do I want to experience in life? And it seems very weird, you know, like when I say it to be like, why weren't you feeling empty without answering these questions? Honestly, life has a plethora. I can't believe I get to use that word on this podcast, but a plethora of things that you can use to fill the void that shows up when you don't answer those questions. And so you wouldn't realize it. You actually wouldn't realize that you're moving mad or moving empty. Sometimes I look back at even the wedding. I got married when I was, what, 27, 28? And I look back at the wedding sometimes and as beautiful as it was, that wasn't what who I am at my core, now that I've answered that question, would be doing. Even from the look and feel and just what it was. Can you imagine? Once you answer those series of questions, it becomes so clear what you want in life and what you really don't want, even down to something like a social gathering. I, back then, didn't know who I was. So with that in mind, I really shouldn't have been building any external relationship, intimate or not. I should have been building a relationship with self. And I feel like I'm taking you through this journey. So regardless of where you are age-wise in life, you can learn from me. We go through things in our lives that disrupt, (laughs) that disrupt us. And even if you haven't gone through something that disrupts, it's important to know who you are. It's important to know what you want. What are your goals? What are your ambitions? What are your values? What are your worldviews? And if you look at yourself like, a company. So for example, like my business, it's funny how if my business didn't have a mission, a vision, a purpose and values, like I literally have that as a Bible, a deck and anybody who we onboard onto our team gets that deck. It's our compass. And it's so wild that I think it's outrageous for me to be doing business without that, you know? So that was one of the first things I did. But I didn't think it was outrageous for me to, as an individual, be moving around without that equivalent, you know, without knowing what my vision was or my values. I think it's because I like business. I try and like think of my relationship with self and borrow from like how my business is moving and what I want for it. And then I, yeah, I borrow from, from that relationship a lot. Anyway, let's go back to the story, right? At the time I got married around what, 27, I started taking my therapy very seriously, you know? And at the time before that, my therapy was really focused on sexual trauma, but very soon it morphed into focusing on identity because I was preparing to resign from my job. I was now doing virtual sessions with my therapist, therapist A, not Faith. Faith is my second therapist because my therapist had moved from Kenya. And the more work I did on my identity, now I was indirectly answering those questions I spent most of my 20s running away from answering. What that did is my identity started to become clearer to me. The more I realized, hmm, 
I've been running. I've been making decisions that ooh, I shouldn't have been making. I have a lot of self-work to do. And I began to realize this life I was part of, majorly part of due to my decisions, wasn't the life for me. And I think one of the major blessings in reestablishing, redefining my relationship with self and my identity was me leaving my job and my divorce. I can definitely look back on those things and say, these are a silver lining because they woke me up. Those are two experiences that I really had close to no sounding boards around me, which meant I couldn't cling on what others thought I should do, which is, again, what I was doing in the past. You know, if we go back to chapter one of the story, I was swimming because my sister was swimming and... That's what what we were doing, you know? I don't know if it's what I wanted to be doing. Maybe I wanted to be doing something more fictional writing. Maybe in my teenagehood, I didn't want to do things just because I was okay at them or good at them. I wanted to do things because that's what I wanted to do, you know? If we go back to chapter two of the story, I was getting into relationships, etc., because, you know, that's what's expected. <laughs> so it wasn't even like, do I like this guy? Am I, <laughs> do we have the same values, worldviews? Oh, you have three kids? No problems. Let's do this. You know what I mean? It was, I was getting into relationships because I was attaching myself to somebody else's identity. And I was also trying to live up to a socially accepted identity. Instead of just pausing, and trying to figure out, hang on Adele, what is your identity? Who are you and what do you want? As much as it may sound like I'm coming down hard on myself, I'm sharing all this knowing that I'm being very graceful with past me. She was doing what she could with what she knew, which was very little. <laughs> she made a ton of mistakes, but it's never too late to do better and to unlearn and to stop cycles, you know? The reason I say these two incidences were also a blessing because they shook me awake. As I was saying, I had close to no sounding boards around me. So that meant I couldn't attach myself to an external identity or definition. I had to figure out what the hell I wanted, you know? And you can't do that without figuring out who you are. And you know what I found? <laughs> After about a year of actively working on myself, I have always been who I am. I have, for as far back as I think, I've always had this tiny voice who would ring in my head <laughs> and looked at world issues very differently, absolutely differently. I constantly remember whenever we're talking about whatever world issue was like being talked about and this is even into my 20s I always thought so differently about them and I'll tell you one from when I was super younger like this is like primary school younger and I still remember this moment right I don't know what I was asking for I was that kid who always wanted like chocolates here and whatever if my mom was going to the supermarket and I remember she told me that she didn't have money I think I sat with that for a while and Either then or a couple of days later, I remember telling her, if I was to become president, I would abolish all money. And this sounded like a weird ass thought to her because I still remember her laughing. And I remember thinking, why is she laughing? And this makes so much sense. Because I was saying that people would 
do their skill for the betterment of others. So if you knew how to build houses, you would wake up and how you serve your community is not based on what you get back. It's your giving of the skill to your community. So you'll build houses for others to live in. And then we would all just get along. It wouldn't be like, what am I going to gain? How am I going to get money, etc.? Can you imagine that? And I always go back to that moment to be like, that, that's really who I am. <laughs> you know, whether you think it's practical or not, the fundamentals of that type of thinking are how I approach many issues. And so doing this work and finding out that little voice in my head, that's who I am. And that voice has always been with me. I've always been a little bit of a hippie. I've always loved hard, big heart, dreamer. My head is in the clouds. I'm an optimist. I forgive easily. I'm an introvert. I'm an artist at heart. But I spent my 20s running away from that and into what I thought was right or what I thought others wished from me or for me or what I thought my mom would have approved of because grief also took that tangent at a point. And really, I just kept settling. I kept settling for a version of me that was anything other than my real self. I kept settling for relationships and friendships that weren't what I truly desired, but were a relationship or a friendship nonetheless. And it's so wild that all of this was happening because I didn't go back to listen to that tiny voice so it could tell me who I am, what are my values, what are my goals, my ambitions, what's my worldview. And everything then, <laughs> after doing that work for a, an entire year, everything then just started to make sense, you know? And I feel like it's a bit sad, isn't it? That I was running away from myself, my true self. You know, another thing is divorce gifted me solitude. Still under the banner of journeying back to myself. I am now in love with my own company. I don't think that's something I was able to say for most of my 20s into like one, two years into my 30s. I am in love with my own company. I am not threatened by silence. I am aware of the gifts it brings. I love my company. I am so wise and funny and quirky and silly and deep. <laughs> and it is such an honor to do life in this being. And that honor is more potent when I'm alone. In solitude, I can hear my dreams. I can hear and see my ambitions. What I've been able to build and do for myself in the last two years, I never ever thought I could do. I attribute a lot of that to clarity and that clarity only came when I gifted myself solitude. So in the journey back to myself over the years, I found one integral ingredient is solitude. I said I wanted to talk about friendships. So walking away from that job and my divorce also gifted me intentional friendships. Oh my goodness. Tell me this past week, my birthday week, I... Ah! The conversations, because I, I obviously have been hanging out with my friends. Most recently we had a lunch... And we were just talking about identity and one of our friends was sharing, you know, the depression she experienced 
due to a job and we were all like tapping in and sharing and at the end of it we're just like we pledge we're going to be more intentional in creating time to link up and check in with each other and when I got home I remember thinking this is the type of friendship I've always wanted you know I shared the friendship I've always wanted with my mom so for the longest time I've always known the type of friendships I've wanted but because I always felt inadequate I always settled and a big part of your of my 20s and I'm saying mine because this happens to people even in their 50s and in their 40s etc but a big part of my 20s was spent trying to be surrounded by people because that communicated to me that I was worth something so I always had tons of friends around me not because we shared any ideals not because it was a type of friendships I wanted but because many meant hella worth (laughs) Or should I say hella self-worth, which is an absolute lie. Because due to the friendship I had with my mom, I always knew the type of friendship I wanted. We went to concerts together. We sang along to Shaggy and Mafikizolo. We spoke about sexuality and sex with no shame. I think where it mattered, our worldviews were alike. There were very many things we disagreed on over the years and i think crossing into my 30s early 30s i lost a long-term friendship you know and the cracks in that friendship definitely formed years before it ended because as i told you i was settling and i wasn't voicing the type of friendship i wanted because i just felt i was inadequate and i felt like what if i voice and lose this friendship and then now i'm solo dolo (laughs) Is that what you're trying to tell me? The end of that friendship, first and foremost, just know that a friendship doesn't always have to end in drama. It can end, it can just end. (laughs) Because some friendships are for a long time, some are for seasons, but you mustn't fear evolving past friendships because you think it's going to lead into an argument, etc. Sometimes friendships change, evolve or end, but This one ended and I think what happened is it left room for the friendships I have always wanted. So my best friend Kazo and I have sung along to songs we both love in my car and it just happened very genuinely. (laughs) We didn't even realize it was happening and I think I was giving my photographer a lift and we're listening to my playlist and she's like I love the song I'm like I love it too and we're singing along and this guy's also the back like what's happening with these two women and in the moment I didn't even realize that oh you know I I always wanted a friendship I could do this this sounds like such a stupid thing to want from a friendship but it's when when I talk about the things that I want I visualize what they look like as well so away from shared values and worldviews on the things that matter to me because of course we can't be the same I can see <laughs> and so I remember it just happening and I was like "Ooh, that was nice you know we've reported our dumb decisions to each other you know the Delulu things that we do for men <laughs> and she gives me the best advice in a manner where there is no shame and we can laugh at our silliness but always remind each other that we're capable of doing better. She will never speak to a third party about me. I know this because when I ask her about even our periphery friends, she refuses to tell me anything about them. She's like, Ebu, go and ask them yourself. She wants to be better 
We speak on phone almost daily. Sometimes she even keeps me company on my long drive home because it takes me out of Nairobi about an hour to get home. I'll call her and I'm just jumping stories and she's like, you want me to keep you company for your ride home? I'm like, cool. And we'll talk. Sometimes it'll be silent as she's doing things, but it's wonderful. You know, my home is hers and her home is mine. And I think there's an intimacy in friendship and a love in friendship that I've always thought is important and I think the more I answered those series of questions, I understood that now it was time to open myself up specifically to the type of friendship I wanted. You know, I have other friends like Seba who writes me love letters. I love love letters. I write all my friends letters. (laughs) I love it. So I love words. Dudes, remember poetry, the weird kid? (laughs) And she checks on me. As frequently as Kadzo, we swap voice notes. The artist in me recognizes the artist in her and we have such a deep bond and also no shame, you know? I have amazing male friends as well. Some I speak to daily. Some have stayed up with me when I couldn't leave my bed. Some have driven me to hospital and walked me up and down the corridors because I hadn't drunk enough water for an ultrasound. (laughs) Ah! I have the friendships I have always dreamt of, you know, and its major key was figuring out who I am, what do I want in all spheres of my life, understanding how amazing I am and how much value I have and that I do deserve the type of relationships and friendships I want, you know. And some of these friendships, I just shot my shot, you know, I'm now able to make friends, new deep friends. That was something I really struggled with. And it feels so wonderful. I'm so proud of myself. I also wanted to talk to you about love. Oh, love. (laughs) I love love. This person I have discovered I am, this person I've journeyed back to being, is not scared to love loudly, be it loving myself or others. And I'm clear that in this moment that it doesn't have to make sense to anyone but me. And this is especially when it comes to intimate love. It doesn't have to follow rules of what society deems fit. I just follow the magic of love. (laughs) You know, just be it for myself or, or another. It just is. I don't have to make it make sense. I don't have to explain it away. I just need to feel it. I just need to to let myself get lost in the magic, tell my ego to take several seats and just love loudly. There's nothing embarrassing about loving another loudly. If anything, it is courageous to love. I am fearful in other quarters, but I never want to be fearful when it comes to loving. It doesn't have to make sense. It just has to feel good. And it just has to birth goodness, which love always does. I don't aim anymore to own who I love. I think that was something I did probably in my 20s, into my late 20s and possibly early 30s. Because when you don't know who you are, you attach your worth to others and you attach your worth to the person you love or the person you love in in a relationship with or in. So you want to own them because it gives you a sense of security and safety. But love is freedom. So that wasn't love. That was control. That was fear. 
but it definitely wasn't love. And so I don't aim to own who I love. I'm grateful that I experienced them. Now I'm human, so I sometimes feel jealous, but that's okay. It's human, you know? And in those moments, I let myself feel it, but I don't let it drive me to action. And even when I'm feeling jealous or whatever negative human feeling under the banner of love, I don't shame myself. I'm just like, oh, you're doing that thing, right? (laughs) Okay, girl, have your moment and then we'll get back to our senses once you've allowed this feeling to pass through you. And so I'm, I'm so happy that at 35, I'm loving how I think I've always wanted to love. And the last thing I wanted to talk about was aging. I am so grateful for the privilege of age. You know, I see a lot of, especially online, especially X or Twitter, they so much hate towards women. I'm not going to say from all men because it isn't all men. In fact, I think those men who spew hate on women represent a very small percentage of men, but they're just louder. So they look like they're many, but they're really not. But they will, they'll insult you with age as though it's, it's an insult. <laughs> and I've never understood it, you know? It's like they will want to insult you for the body changes that happen because of age. I'm like, that is not an insult. I am so grateful for the privilege of age, especially now that I've done so much work on myself that I'm truly rooted in my present life, I'm like, I'm freaking glad I'm here. You know, give me more years, please. (laughs) You know, and age, I call it a, a privilege and such a gift because it has gifted me clarity. It has gifted me strength. It has gifted me a feeling of grounding. Let me tell you, this birthday is the most grounded I've felt. I've always been like, so much movement in my previous birthdays. What are we doing? Dinner here. Blah, 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 blah. And this birthday, obviously I did have dinner with my friends. So my friends put together a dinner for me and it was so wonderful. But on my actual birthday birthday, which happened to be a Monday, I did some work and then me and someone close to me had a picnic in my flower garden. And it was wonderful. We watched the butterflies, if you are in specific parts of Kenya, you know, there's like a butterfly migration happening. And so they were just like fluttering all around us and we were under my avocado tree. They had brought me picnic foods and fruits and my favorite ice creams, my favorite, just my favorite things to eat. And we had the shuka, we were listening to my writing block playlist that has a lot of Erica Badu paste music and the sun was out because it's so yummy and sunny now and the sky was just like this wonderful hue of blue and you know at the point we had to put on sunscreen because it was hot hot then afterwards we kind of just like got into bed and watched True Detective <laughs> it was marvelous it was so so calm oh my goodness and so grounding and I was just like this is wonderful I feel at peace I really feel at peace and so age has gifted me myself 
a potent version of myself. So if you're scared of aging, you think maybe you're not where you want to be or wanted to be by the time you know, you turn 30 or 40 or 50 or 60, or you're not where people say people your age should be, I think you should remember that nothing is timed collectively. I'm going to get like a bit hippie for two seconds, but just allow me. Time, which includes seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years, are things that we constructed, and I'm not against us constructing it, to help us be more efficient. You know what I mean? And, and it helps run things. But these are not things that were stamped on our forehead. So then I like to look at my life as an extended present moment. And so there's no timestamp on when I should achieve certain things. I'm just living. It's a series of present moments happening and each of them has different challenges and joys. Each of them has different wins and losses or learnings. And mine definitely can't look like yours. Perhaps step away from what society has conditioned you to believe should be happening with your life as pertains a particular time. Because my goodness, that's how you get into problems. Even when I think of things like marriage and how, you know, you're told to get married in your 20s, etc. People focus on get married in your 20s and not the inner work you should be doing before you get married. Or if you want to get married. And sometimes, let's say you do want to get married, perhaps the inner work you're doing will have you ready to get married when you're 40 and there's nothing wrong with that someone else will get married when they're 24 so it's not i need to be here by the time i turn blah 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 it's i'm going to work on myself continuously so that in every present moment that i am gifted from whatever you believe in i'm living my realest and biggest life and even that is defined by you. You define what a big life is. You define what a real life is. You define what, again, your values, your goals, your ambitions, your dreams are. Nobody else gets to do that for you. So stop worrying about the age and what you haven't achieved by a certain point. And start worrying about answering the series of questions that I said earlier. Who am I? What do I want? What are my goals and ambitions? What are my values? What's my worldview? Stop worrying about how your body is changing. It's meant to change. That's normal. It's a gift. Wear it like a badge of honor because you have received this gift that's a privilege. Not everybody gets to age. Obviously do this while taking care of your body in terms of like nutrition and exercise. But don't shit on yourself because what you look like in your 20s isn't what you look like in your 40s. That's normal, babe. <laughs> is meant to happen. I'm going to ask that instead of me sharing a song of the week, I share one of my favorite TED Talks that is by Bevy Smith. I've probably watched it like seven times. She's funny. There are moments where it's just like humor, but it's really about how to discover your authentic self at any age. 
And one of the things she says, she was in her 50s when she did that, 55 if I'm not wrong, when she did that TED Talk. All 50-year-olds that I've spoken to and 40-year-olds that I've spoken to have echoed what she said. And she says, it gets greater later. That's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.